What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Apartment 113 podcast, where we talk with cool folks in the cannabis and psychedelics industry to learn about their projects and celebrate their successes. My name is Rob Sanchez, and this is episode 26. We're joined today by Adam Benko and Brian Mayfield. They're the co-founders of MJ Stack. MJ Stack helps cannabis businesses find the right software for their operation and needs. Software is a vital piece to success in the cannabis industry, and there are some excellent solutions out there for retail, cultivation, manufacturing, and more. But it can be difficult to choose the right one or find the right partners, which is where MJ Stack comes in. Uh, find out more at mjstack.com and enjoy the show. Brian, Adam, welcome, guys. Thanks for jumping on. Pleasure to be here, Rob. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Yeah, definitely. I, I ran into Adam uh, at MJ Unpacked in Vegas last year, and maybe we've crossed paths on conference floors these last few years as well. Um, but this year, I'm not making the conference circuit uh, as much as I'd like, actually doing the home life. But you guys are still uh, traveling around. Before the show kicked off here, we were talking about Lucky Leaf coming around the corner next week in Maryland. Yeah, what we do plays really well with uh, folks in emerging markets, so it's good for us to travel around and meet folks market specific and right. have right. presence there. And Maryland is just getting started, man, and what a time to get in there and, and help those licensees figure out their, their tech stack and their software backing. They haven't made mistakes yet, and that's why we like to get in there and answer those questions. Um, it's much easier to get in from the ground up and build something instead of telling people they've made mistakes when they're already too deep to correct those mistakes. That's a really good point, right? Every state thinks that they've got it figured out, and as we've seen, every state misses the mark somewhere or over-litigates something, always makes it interesting on the licensee side and the software side. And before we get too deep into um, kind of MJ Stack and the software space for cannabis, how about a little bit of your backgrounds and kind of what brought you together and um, inspired MJ Stack? Sure. Yeah, no, Adam and I, uh, Brian here, um, Adam and I have worked uh, alongside each other for the last, gosh, probably seven years now, um, where we started in enterprise level software. Uh, sales and, and really learned how the sausage is made in that sense, um, being certified agile scrum masters and, and really in tune with, you know, the whole process of developing software and SaaS software. And um, we actually followed each other to the next company, uh, which was a startup in Denver, as many people may know in cannabis as uh, Flowhub uh, Technologies. So the point of sale company. And so we were both in sales uh, for Flowhub for a couple of years before coming up with this idea for MJ nice. Stack. And then we started MJ Stack and here we are. Nice, yeah, so you are familiar with uh, giving that demo reel, huh? Rolling out the red carpet and giving prospects the tour of different software suites. It's a kind of tired conversation, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> when you have we, to do that again and again. <laughs> we laugh at it, or we laugh at ourselves and, and with our clients often, we call ourselves recovered salespeople. It's <laughs> 
Yeah, it's definitely a, a change in, uh, in perspectives and in, in position there as well. Um, Adam, how about you, man? Yeah, so I mean, Brian and I worked both the jobs that he just described together, basically with the same exact title. So oh, awesome. it's why we work so well together. And we came up with the idea for MJ Stack after we departed Flow Hub, but it was already kind of in the incubator, if you will, in our minds where we were sales reps, but really we've always taken a consultative process to helping out these cannabis business owners. A lot of them just want to grow and sell weed. They don't know how to properly demo a product. They don't know the right questions to ask. They don't know how to scale this thing. They don't know the importance of these tools that they're evaluating desperately working together to build something better than the sum of its parts, or at least close to it where possible. So the idea of MJ Stack came about to be that service that answers those questions for operators without being a commissioned sales rep or someone that is more inherently biased to push the product that you're on the demo on. So that's yeah, right. Starting the conversation with the bias is hard, um, especially when you need to educate the the prospects or the licensees on things. And first, uh, before I forget, certified scrum masters, dude, nice. I love it, man. I'm a huge agile advocate and I love scrum and the whole software development process there, especially the way it kind of empowers teams. It can take some of the like pressure and the tension that can come with innovation and sort of put it to good use, man, innovation and feedback. It's one of the really good things that came from us working first um, from the corporate world, corporate side of things, because we got some really good training. Um, you know, they, uh, the company that we worked for, CA Technologies, uh, saw it as very important for the salespeople to have a great understanding of how the product is developed. And it, of course, that makes sense. So, it's a really good approach, yes. I, yeah. uh, I worked in roles in the past in the, in the software space, and I was the demo horse. So because I knew how the software worked and actually how software was developed, they pulled me out of the closet, out of the basement, only when it was time to give the demo, and then they push me back down in there to keep the work going. Um, so I've given like the demo for Viridian Sciences or 365 Cannabis so many times, man. Uh, I could probably do the Viridian one still without even software in front of me. <laughs> so there's a, that gets just so, uh, the sales grind is real. I mean, obviously you make good connections and meet good folks, but man, it's a numbers game. Yeah. You are the, uh, you're the expert every salesperson refers to on, on their calls. Oh, I have an expert that can answer that question. <laughs> I always liked it to try and see if they could stump me. And I would know when I had a good prospect, when they would like really get me against the, like in a corner, basically, you know, like, oh, damn, this guy knows his stuff. Like, I'm ready to talk now because normally they would, you know, folks are just getting overwhelmed by the software stacks or um, tech pieces. We would have maybe made your job tough there, Rob, because uh, that's kind of what we do for our clients. We sit on demos with them and we're that ace in the hole to ask the questions that might aren't, maybe isn't obvious to someone that's vetting their fourth point of sale in the last six months and it's all just going one ear out the other. So The professional stumpers over here at MJ Stack. Yeah, that's awesome. I would always, uh, like after the call, I would always send like an update, like, man, they got me here. They got me there. It's a, a wonderful way as a product manager to see your product in the wild and really try to try to test it out there and with perspective and feedback. Yeah, so, I would say this. I mean, not every sales team in cannabis tech, especially since we're just an industry full of startups, not every sales team has a Rob, you know, not it's oftentimes it's salespeople that are just happy to say yes and get a deal done. 
And oh so, man, right. And we all have seen those contracts that can come when sales says yes before anyone else in the company has agreed. Because um, once a contract's signed, then you know devs start running. You got to dance to numbers and, and deadlines. Yeah, it's a oh, slippery slope. That's why we exist. We exist to help set expectations and provide transparency where you, people might not, not otherwise find it. And how many years ago was MJ Stack established? So almost exactly three years ago. I think it's three years and two weeks when we're recording this. Okay, awesome, man. Yeah, happy early birthday coming around the corner. Um, the industry has changed so much, man. Three years is like a decade of other industries when, it, when you compare it to cannabis. This is only audio, but you can see my age lines from that three years being realistically 10 years and then take into account working in the industry before that. So good thing we're just voices here. Yeah, we're, we're keeping our listeners safe for the best. Between us, I think we've got, you know, 25 or 30 years of cannabis industry experience right now. So it's, a, it's grizzled. It's a grizzled group. <laughs> it's funny when you can take a couple years of experience in an industry and you're considered down in the trenches for years and years. <laughs> it's, yeah. But it's true. It's true. Right. You learn quick here. And definitely seeing those early days of Flow Hub is a, had to have been a great experience for you guys to see kind of the, the boom of the industry, um, kind of the drive and the pressure to find software that really fits and really helps run your business. Um, why is cannabis uh, uniquely difficult to find software for? Yeah, so what kind of Brian alluded to this earlier, it's an industry powered by startups. And not only that, but every market where there's a form of legalization has its own fun little nuances and things you have to accommodate for, whether it be different track and trace, whether it be vertical integration versus retail versus marketing regulations. There's no one size fits all. There's just no slap and repeat solution for this. So every unique business model and license type has its own problem that needs to be solved. Right. And every, it seems that every startup in the space, you know, can focus on only so much of the problem. It's pretty rare to have an all in one, um, a seed to sale in quotes, as they were supposed to be called. And I think as we've all seen in the, as the industry's gone on, a seed to sale is never really complete. It's always has to be tapped into metric, biotrack, maybe on fleet for delivery, maybe something separate for messaging. It does become kind of a a Frankenstein of software solutions that that runs a business uh, in the space that I don't I don't think like regular manufacturers have to deal with. You know, if you're just printing books, you can buy a one and done system, set it up with your QuickBooks and kind of follow some advice that's more generally given where everything's still so state specific and tied into compliance. Um, how do how does MJ Stack help users to kind of understand that landscape? if they come to you with their license and, and questions? Yeah, so it's a number of factors that really go into our recommendations for different things. Um, you know, whether it's the technology that is, you know, helping you transact, um, you know, run your inventory, message customers, you know, all of those things um, are different and have different, um, different things, regulations that they have to abide by and code for and everything. Um, you know, like you kind of alluded to, no market here in the space is created equal. So, you know, a software that is built from the ground up for a delivery operation in California, it's probably going to be really good at that. Now take that and take it to, you know, a Michigan retail and it's just not the same. You know, there's a ton of, there's a ton of work and these software companies have to either prep for entry to a new market, 
a ton, or they have to, or some um, take the route of sprinting into it and then trial and error and hoping they get it right. Oh and, man, have I seen that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's everywhere, um, and it's a mess. <laughs> and so that's we try to help people avoid that. But you know, it's we take into account the market's specific regulations. We take into account the license type. You know, are, are you a cultivator? Are you a retailer? Those are two completely different sets of technology solutions. If you're vertically integrated, it's a whole other set. Um, and then along that vein, like, you know, if you are, if you have expansion goals, if you're opening one, two, three, five locations, you're probably going to have to evaluate a whole other set of softwares for that too. Scalability, multi-state options. Um, some of the big dogs I mentioned earlier, with 365 and Viridian, were more aimed at, the, at those style businesses. Um, some other companies that I've been with in the past were then shooting for the like smaller to medium-sized companies. So really every software product has its sweet spot as far as demographics go. Are there any states or regions that you have worked with um, the most or maybe that you're working with uh, recently or the last few months? So historically, the nature of what we do, we love to find people early stage and help build a big, beautiful tech ecosystem without dealing with the technical debt of making decisions that <laughs> yeah. we wouldn't have recommended necessarily. So as a result of that, we like to work with new and emerging markets. So us opening three years ago, even though we're based in Colorado, not a lot of our, our businesses are located there. A lot of New Mexico, a lot of New York, a lot of New Jersey, a lot of Michigan, a lot of Mississippi, all the states that are ramping up and scaling that you can imagine over the last three years. Awesome. Yeah. So really, as the licenses switch over, MJ Stack is there to kind of guide people into the software mountains, uh, help them know where to step, right? <laughs> I love the illusion to being a Sherpa. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can see it. And, you know, that's not to say we, we don't work in, in some of the OG markets. We absolutely do. We have a lot of clients, you know, in Colorado, California, um, Oregon, Washington, um, but it's different. You know, it's a different game. It's a different evaluation. Because different to clean versus to yes, build. Exactly. I mean, you talk to operators in Oregon, for example. I mean, anyone who's been open for more than four years is probably on their third or fourth point of sale. And so, you know, to come in and be like, hey, are you ready to reevaluate? These folks really have to be ready to do a whole audit, reevaluate things, or, you know, it's going to be nice. And, it's going to be nice and painful and slow. <laughs> Yeah, and switching software is, there's just no easy way to do that. With the training, the data setups, I mean, migration and things can be done to, to make it simpler. And with a good process, hopefully everything goes well. But man, it just requires so many people with often the third party software company that you're leaving, the software company you're going to, uh, your, whole, your whole business, it can be a mess for sure. The way that software works in the cannabis industry for our listeners who uh, may not know that much about the space and how things are tracked, uh, cannabis relies heavily on inventory tracking and package and plant tracking. So because of that, many softwares have struck up to uh, track the business, the customers, and the necessary details of cannabis, uh, plugging into state systems like Metric and BioTrack to keep things compliant and um, informal for the industry basically putting that red tape on the package while running kind of an e-com or a point of sale or even a traditional manufacturing business for extracts and things like that. So if you guys had to guess, or maybe you have an actual number, 
how many software companies are in this space right now for cannabis? Are we in the hundreds yet? Well, yeah, absolutely in the hundreds. Because I can tell you, MJ Stack manages a partner network of over 300 companies. Across. 300, man. Well, we okay. work on the professional services side, the banking side, and the technology software side. Not every company is an MJ Stack partner, although we do vet everyone. But then there's also companies who throw the word green after their name or strike up a cannabis division. Are you considering that a new cannabis technology solutions provider? Depends if they've actually developed it to be a good fit, in my opinion. But so there's many more than what that number. And for those green businesses, um, there are quite a few and some are done wonderfully. Others maybe are an afterthought. Um, when you see cannabis and kind of get the money in the in the crosshairs instead of the the value maybe or the real problem to solve. That's part of our vetting process is to make sure if someone wants to be an MJ Stack partner when we refer your service and our job as a partner is to make sure you're connecting with your ideal clients. If your ideal clients are just people that pay their bills and you haven't built a product that has market fit, that's the biggest part of our vetting process to see if your solution has an ideal client base, is market specific, is cannabis specific. You'd be surprised how many are not. When they, they come to the table saying they are, right? Uh, dancing the dance. Every time. <laughs> yes. I think it's um, kind of a necessary evil of the new industry, but it's, it's good as folks have started to learn more and you know been a part of more projects to kind of guide those, uh, those states through the through the mess, man. And um, some of the states like New Mexico, Oklahoma, newer states that had big license rushes, I imagine are uh, definitely in need of, of some services or some way to differentiate. I think I saw that um, there was a town in New Mexico that had maybe like 15 dispensaries um, and they have like like three or four restaurants. So it's the, the ratio is a little bit off. Um, and, you know, those businesses are going to need to really track their margin, you know, the profit they make and everything involved that, uh, you know, it seems like a problem only software could help, uh, uh, as well as time maybe in some acquisitions. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's where, that's where a lot of data can help differentiate people as well. You know, we hear from clients all the time and it's funny you mentioned New Mexico cause that's, um, where my examples from, but I just, I spoke to a client in New Mexico that was um, basically complaining because they keep going into their uh, neighbor's uh, shop and seeing how low their prices have gotten. And they're like, we have to drop it again. And, you know, it's, yeah, you're a town of 15 shops and 4,000 people maybe. Just you know, racing to the bottom every, to sell the exactly. lowest product they can. Exactly. And instead of a race to the bottom, you know, you can work with certain companies to figure out, okay, what's actually, what's actually a hot selling item? Where should I be pricing this thing? Where will people be buying it? Instead hmm. of just jumping right to the lowest you can get, because those margins are going to be really hard to live on. Right. So it's take it actually takes some data analytics, some some reporting and research there to know kind of the balance, right? Where the cost is going to kind of balance out appropriately. Definitely, definitely that, and you know, driving customer retention. I mean, there are people that have set themselves up really well in the beginning to kind of weather the storm. Um, here of just a crowded space. And I think over time, you know, you'll see those folks who are really investing in customer retention and really following the data and the trends and stuff. I think you'll see them prevail in the end if, if there is consolidation, if there is some people moving out of the market. Right, right. Definitely gives them a, a 
a chance to get some feedback and kind of watch as everything goes. Well, when it comes to the space here, have you guys come across any gaps in the in the software space or um, any big problems that are kind of always um, always bothering a licensee or always waiting to be solved for your new clients? Compliance, I imagine, is a huge one. Well, one thing that always comes up, um, the term ERP is always used in this space, and I don't think it truly exists. Now, there are solutions that can meet the minimum requirements you need to track things throughout your vertical supply chain, but you look at any industry that's not cannabis and the cost of goods tracking throughout your entire supply chain to be a mature business, we truly don't have tools like that. So, uh, yes, I would have to agree, Adam. I um and, and I've worked for many of these folks, and they throw out ERP a lot. The only two that I say were, and or, or are, I don't know who owns them nowadays after Akerna, are ERPs, and those are 365 Cannabis and Viridian Sciences, only because they're both integrations and add-ons to a more traditional ERP, right? 365 is coming from Microsoft Dynamics Nav, and Viridian Sciences is coming from SAP Business One. So both apps have that chart of accounts, that like central that central journal entry mechanism, you know, the double balanced financial um, reports and everything across the board. Wonderful software, highly adaptable, ready to give you the profits and things that you need. But man, it, it can be hard to learn, hard to use, um, and expensive to implement, especially if you're a single location. So those those softwares really have their their niche. Um, I I definitely love the potential there though with forecasting um mrp and some of the bigger features that would come with an erp traditionally but yeah I'd, i kind of smile when software companies tack erp onto their their point of sale or I mean, their they mean it as like, delivery they mean it as they want a software to do everything an all-in-one and really right. it should just be looked as a tool to like help the vertically integrated side of the business but they want it to include their marketing tools, their outreach. They want this massive tool to do everything. And I'm like, if even if it does, is it the best tool for the job? So kind of a secondary thing to my ERP comment is a lot of people are just trying to build everything in-house. There's not enough collaboration to enable integrations to best-in-class tools, which in a perfect world, we would love. But everyone's trying to make a dollar, so we understand why that doesn't always happen. So basically, everyone's not playing nice. And when you guys come to the table to try to build a stack, sometimes there are pieces of the puzzle that just won't fit. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's, um, you know, in, in consolidation, people, you know, certain companies buying other companies in this space. And, you know, I mean, they're, they're basically, as competition intensifies, you know, people playing nice is kind of going away <laughs> a little bit. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, the the integrations and paying attention to who does work with who is is more important than ever right now. Um, you can't do the same the same kind of tech stack build that you could have even a year ago, two years ago. Changing some some windows are closing or already closed as acquisitions and things have have either combined forces, maybe retired certain other applications. I know a lot of good apps kind of die on the vine after they're acquired as uh, companies are kind of buying the doors and the revenue for their investors more than actually buying a tool. Um, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's an interesting space on that, on that side. And I mean, when it comes to building things that play nice uh, metrics, version two 
of their integration of their API integration is going to just throw a cannonball into the whole scene because they're going to charge per licensee, which means that startups and other cannabis software companies that have been using the metric API to pull in their compliance information and really seed their data and keep things synced up, have to start charging more for those softwares. And that cost is just going to be pushed on the licensee, I imagine, um, which is rough to see. And I think that in the next few years, as V2 comes online, we're going to see a big fallout of uh, acquisitions and kind of restructuring to handle that V2. Um, I'm hoping personally that they don't ever turn off V1. So metric, if you're listening out there, don't turn it off. I'll find your booth again. (laughs) What I'm concerned about that is, I mean... You know, this is a bid process for track and trace. We've got these big established markets that they've been using certain track and trace providers for a long time. They're not obligated to continue using them. And if they make it hard on the operators and significant change, the state will withdraw the bid for something cheaper and more convenient for them. And then what happens to these operators that now are maybe using non-compatible software for either version that's coming in? Yeah, they built their business around metric. And then New York pulls metric and implements something that we've never heard of yet. And uh, now all the software companies need to to tag in again. I mean, there's something to be said for modern software development, like API first microservices and building an application that's ready to talk to the rest of the world. That being said, there's another way that most people do it, uh, which unfortunately hasn't been that um, in my experience. And many software companies are trying to turn that turn that ship. But uh, like a big cruise ship, you know, it takes a long time to get that thing around or turn it a different direction? Well, every, every company in the space is so reactive too. You know, they're, they're very, very reactive from, the, from day one. You know, they, they have an idea, they want to build something that customers want. They find a customer to beta test something with. Customer A really, really wants this feature, that feature, and they rush to develop it. Now and you have it. <laughs> exactly, but it's a constant rush to develop it. And because of that, it's really hard to just hit the pause button and like you said, turn that ship around. Um, right. You get on this kind of treadmill of feature farm, feature farming, right? You're just like making the next feature and the next feature. Exactly. Yeah, that. And, and then at that point, because you've been so focused on just building what you think your customers want and reacting to that, you know, you're not really building slow, sustainable growth. You're creating tech debt. And then at that point, yeah. <laughs> it's a whole other story. And, and people are like, well, why are these features taking longer to develop? Well, because they sprinted to develop all these features there and never slowed down. And, yeah. Right. They didn't think about why they were building those features in the first place. I think that's something I see in product management a lot, you know, not just in the cannabis space. It's easy to say, you know, we want a feature to do this, make the software do that. And I think that it's kind of the product role to, to step back and say, you know, which problem is being solved here? Like, what does the customer actually need out of this like what's the target addressable market is this profitable for us to even solve that problem and um, I think some of those questions are, are rarely or often asked in retrospect uh, for a lot of the companies well I'd say Rob a lot of the dev teams in the cannabis space aren't very in tune with agile processes they don't have a product owner on that team to be asking those questions back to the decision makers that are telling them what to build kind of trying to put a uh, a little pinch on the feature requests and make sure stakeholders understand right what they're what they're doing and because tech debt is just nasty man when you when you get faced with having to just handle tech debt with your fancy dev team and you have all these great plans to build and conquer the world 
and you have to go back to level one and just like, you know, fix the facing on the east side of the house. It's just, ah, man, it's annoying. It takes forever. It's easy to sell a product for exciting new and up and coming features if you have ambitious and go-getter salespeople. But then the proverbial hits the fan when you <laughs> don't deliver on that. <laughs> yeah, that's when uh, I've been on some teams in the past where we just had to run like over time because of the feature promises, deadlines, uh, misreleases. Oh, man. Every catastrophe you could imagine probably on the software space. So it's a, it takes a village to keep software um, moving and growing and improving, but there's definitely a way to do it better than, than other ways. <laughs> yeah, we, a, a big thing that we always recommend kind of taking this is um, you know, buying on current state. You know, we always recommend buy on what is available to you now. If, if a software or a salesperson's telling you, oh yeah, no, that's coming, it'll be here. Don't buy on that. If that's a necessity for your business, yeah, you got to wait until it's there or look somewhere where that is available to you. I mean, Adam knows this firsthand. He used to sell into the California market some features he was tasked with selling four or five years ago that still aren't available. <laughs> so, oh, you know, it show, if that Ooh. shows you anything, it's, you know, there are... There's a big gap in, in, in roadmaps and what is actually deliverable because, again, to rewind, these are all startup companies and they're all very reactive. Right, right. It's hard to be... Um, if It's good to be reactive if, if you're agile and you can react appropriately. But if you're reacting rashly, right, and quick without thinking there, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it can be disastrous. And, I mean, to give the, to give the software companies some credit, because I am in the software space myself, Folks are trying to, they're trying to do it right. And metric and some compliance systems and just the nature of cannabis, it is a difficult problem to solve from a software perspective. Um, you know, there's not the perfect solution yet, but everyone is working to try to make that solution. You know, I th I'd say that many software creators have only the best intentions for the industry and for their product. It becomes a matter of scale and kind of dealing with feedback and like organizational pains that can shift things the wrong way. One of the things that we like to provide to our partners is clarity of helping them understand their best product market fit. Because sometimes you're too close to what you're building that you don't even know exactly what you do best. So one of my favorite comparisons or analogies of the industry, we're just professional connectors to make sure clients, people operating cannabis business are buying the right products for their business model and not getting lost in all of the rigmarole of a sales process because every product that's gotten this far in the space has an ideal slice of the market pie and everyone thrives when they're getting connected to that ideal slice. And that's really what we try to enable. Kind of taking them through the paces and figuring, figuring out where to start or where to, where to bite in and not get lost in the sauce kind of with so many brands and, and, and things to, uh, to potentially set up. Not get lost on the shiny object syndrome, if you will, being real. Yeah. Oh man, I've heard. I've been in companies where that's just a mantra. While we while we continuously get lost in the shiny object syndrome, we talk about it. <laughs> oh, we've had so many. Adam and I have had so many conversations um, with certain dev teams and stuff where it's just like, oh wow, look at and then, you know, how do you guys feel about this and what? How cool is this? We're like, it's very cool, but did it solve problem A, B, or C, which was the whole goal of <laughs> this last six-month you know, six um, project? 
Probably not, you know, but it's, it's, it's easy to get lost in that. And, and yeah, to give credit, like you were saying, Rob, like these software companies have a huge challenge. It's not easy. And this is a hard space to develop a product in for sure. And I think a lot of them, if not most of them are doing a really good job with it. And that's why we say, you know, there's no perfect fit. People are like, what's the perfect software for this? Well, there's no perfect fit, but there's a best fit for your business based off of all those things that we talked about earlier. It's like asking what the, what the perfect thing is to have for dinner. Like there's so many other questions you have to ask before you can even suggest something there. And it's not, it's not bashing any dinner options, right? <laughs> we are thankful for the complications. It's why we can exist in this industry, obviously. It's not like we're just talking to a bar or restaurant that, hey, use toast. It's an easy decision. It's going to integrate to whatever you have. Now there's a lot more to dive into that. And to what you just spoke to, Rob, people want to ask us a question and just be like, I'm in this state. What should I use for this? I'm like, I really need to hop on a call and learn more about you, your business, the existing tech, growth, all these things, because I can throw a name over a fence. But I'm not going to stand by it until I really get to know you and your operation. Uh, so you get, I get a feel for it to understand kind of the attitude, the direction, potential, scale, everything, right? Yeah. I saw on the website that uh, MJ Stack started a program to feature a different partner every month. And it looks like this month is Regent Bank up as the as the feature partner. Shout out to Regent there. Um, that looks like an awesome program, man. How how is the featured partner program going to work with MJ Stack? Yeah, so it's new for us, you know, because we do sit in this um, this model that we've created where we're completely, you know, non biased. Like we we make recommendations based off of best fit. So we can't play favorite. We can't do things like that. Like typically, you know, let's say back to point of sale, for example, or even banking, like we can't just say, hey, this is our favorite bank or this is our favorite point of sale um, because we can't do that. Like Adam said, there's a process and then we recommend who is actually the best fit. Um, so this program is, is unique for us and new for us. And we're making a partner of the month based off of who's been using us the most. Like, you know, for, for example, Regent Bank has been an excellent partner because they meet people early on, and then they say, hey, you could really benefit from, these, from this team that does great cannabis consulting. They should, like, you should meet with them, and, and they can help you get, to, you know, get from point A to point C a lot quicker, a lot better. And so they've been leaning on us more. And so that's the whole goal of our Partner of the Month program is the partners who utilize us and, and help their clients you know, succeed through us, we're rewarding them in kind. It's a way to kind of... Um give back or provide a stage there, shine a light. Always yeah. great. And for any partners that are listening, you don't have to be big. You don't have to be small or medium size. It doesn't matter. Anybody can be the partner of the month. As long as you are in our network, um, all we do is we have to sit down and understand your best product fit. And I mean, to date, MJ stack still gets 80% of our new clients through our partners. So we're just trying to thank the ones that are utilizing us and the free press that you get when you are that free partner, you notice Rob shout out on the website, We've got a banner for the whole month. We give you shout outs on socials. You'll be featured on our blog and we do an email blast to our client base. So it's just a lot of free press for thinking of us. Yeah, a way to get the brand out there and kind of share the service as well. I think that so much of the cannabis industry is community based and that doesn't really stop on the software side, on the on the partnership space. I mean, I've worn all these different hats for the businesses and I'm still, I feel like I still try to take that non-biased approach. You know, if a licensee is asking software questions, um, sometimes you know maybe the nitty-gritty, the under-the-hood details, but you can make those those requests or those kind of um, uh, 
statements, I think, with kind of a, a more general perspective, right? Once you've seen enough. Yeah, totally. And this is, I mean, that's what makes this the coolest industry to work in, honestly, is, you know, there's, we talk about competition all day and sure, you'll, you'll have a lot of friendly and sometimes unfriendly competition in this industry. But for the most part, I mean, we meet so many people, whether it's from the technology providers, the actual retailers that are, you know, interacting and helping their fellow retailers in their same town. I mean, there's, there's so much, um, you know, sharing the love and helping each other out in this industry because everybody's working towards a common goal at the end of the day. And this is just an example of this is kind of our way to, to help share the love with people who are doing it with us. Yeah. Yeah. To bring in that, that cannabis vibe. Were, are, were you guys cannabis consumers or are you cannabis consumers as well? Say, so I'll go first. So my first exposure to cannabis, I don't mind sharing it now because I don't think my mom and dad are listening to this. <laughs> But um, I was the, um, <laughs> the, the guy for my fraternity in college. Let's just say that. I was a longtime consumer, and I even grew for a little bit back in ah, college. We got the plug on the call here. Yeah, my dad did catch me growing in college one time, so that was kind oh. of the, the end of that. But, um, yeah, early grow experience, early uh, direct-to-consumer sales experience. That's how we frame it on the resume, right? Yeah, right. It's good to get that early sales experience and uh, time on the on the streets as they were. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and myself, I've I've always been a um, casual consumer recreationally, just here and there. Um, sometimes it's much nicer to sit down with a joint than a than a cup of whiskey at the end of the day, and you know, just take the kind of unwind. Exactly. I yeah. do have a fun story though. Um, I told this story here this morning actually, um, because I was talking to a client who's having a hard time like um, making it less and less taboo with the elder community in their town and I was thinking about that I was like people ask me this question all the time what my connection is I'm like I'm very casual consumer but I love it because it helps so many members of my family who rely on it you know my brother included my my mom one time called me and it was fun it was the best call I've gotten but she's like hey um, I was flying back from Denver to Dallas she's like hey by the way on your way to the airport can you you buy some edibles for, for grandma? And I was like, you serious? Grandma's always been so against this. What, what changed? And anyway, it was a fun call to receive. So I helped my grandma out. And, you know, this is why you do it, though, because the next day she's like, hey, I haven't slept all the way through the night in 12 years. That Unreal, was the first time. Man. And yeah. how does that feel, right? Helping out grandma, man. That's just totally. yeah, too, I mean, that's, too good. Exactly. And that's why, you know, that's why we do this. It's even if I don't have my own passionate reason, I have others, you know, that help feed and fuel what we right. do. Casual but passionate consumer. Yeah, I can, I can dig that for sure. I just had a uh, similar experience, actually. The family member came out of the hospital uh, having a difficult time there. Uh, as I think being a semi-regular consumer, I hooked them up and got some edibles and things over to them and uh, got some feedback basically that um, it brought the happy back into their life, man. It's just like... Ah, oh, dude, I almost brought a tear to my eye. Really, it was like, man, that's that's too good. And I and I made a lot of like window deals and other things like that, facilitating as it were. Um, but it's nothing's better than actually helping some folks with kind of the therapeutic side of cannabis as well. Yeah, that's my latest thing that I'm going for. Is I've got, just picked up some seeds that are uh, pretty high CBD to THC. I think there's going to be oh, a interesting. huge new yeah. market for not this 20% THC product, like closer to the 10 to 15 range with more one-to-one CBD. I think that's going to have a big comeback. 
it's going to be a less like buzzy high, right? A kind of a more balanced uh, kind of vibe from that one-on-one CBD THC. A more active get stuff done for how I react anyway. <laughs> that And similar to licensees trying to find the right software stack, consumers trying to find the right cannabis products for how they want to relax or how they want to, uh, to live, man, that's a whole nother journey. It involves a whole ton of questions and like boiling down the right, you know, the right methods based on your tolerance and past and desires and things there. Definitely. That's a big software opportunity too, right there is a lot oh, of, we'll talk shop after this guys. <laughs> oh yeah. A lot of, uh, a lot of brands, a lot of, um, retailers, you know, they can, they can actually lean on some products that are out in the market right now that can help their customers kind of understand what to expect and, you know, kind of elaborate on the, and expand on, you know, the one-to-one bud tender relationship and you get to learn more about the products you're buying, which is very cool. Right. As you learn more, you can kind of, you can start to appreciate those things a lot more as well, right? And seeing the value and kind of some of the craftsmanship that's gone into them or understanding really that folks have been growing this plant or spending time with these ladies, you know, every day is their job, seeing them through. It's not necessarily just this substance at the end of the ladder. Easier said than done. I think um, I, I live here in Las Vegas and the market here has its pros and cons. Um, price is not great. Quality is reasonable, actually. You can find some really good quality products here because the lab testing is very stringent. Uh, I think probably to avoid any tourist trouble uh, with the city. Uh, but one thing that's been awesome in this in the city is the terpene percentages on all the labels. And it's not just 3% terps like California has. It's actually, you know, 3.5 milligrams per grams of terpenaline, 4.2 milligrams per gram of caryophylline. Um, that has been really an eye-opener, an interesting way to shop and try to look at the effects and kind of the nuances across cannabis, in quotes. Yeah, getting that documented on the labels is really exciting because, I mean, but it's only as good as, like, what we do with the information. It's, that's that's yeah. <laughs> So bud tender education to know what that means to be able to, you know, not diagnose, but just be a better connector of products. And to be honest, can you rely on a butt tender to do that all the time? I don't think so. So we need to find a better way to get some of that education, that knowledge of what products might be best directly into consumers' hands without relying on the person that's maybe making 15 bucks an hour, personally. Right. That's the million dollar question right there, or the next software gap. <laughs> there are some, some softwares in that space. Shout out to Terpley. Um, Peter Casper, I think, is the founder there. Um, they have a similar feature um, with the intent to help consumers find the right product for them. I think we're going to see a little more of that for sure as AI and other things kind of make their way into the cannabis space. Also a great MJ Stack partner. <laughs> hey, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Now, I, I imagine you guys are um, always kind of combing for new startups or new potential partners. Yes. Um, short answer, yes. Long answer is, well, it's, it's a little more complicated. If, if somebody is really, really new, I mean, we can't, we can't devote a lot of time right now to helping people get off the ground on the software scene because we're helping so many operators on the retail, you know, cultivation, manufacturing scenes. But yes, if there's something that's, that's helping people in the space and it's something that we should know about. Awesome. Yeah. Every time I have like integration talks with third parties or different services, it's, it's always the same comment. It's mutual clients 
really. That's the name of the game. If you can get those mutual clients in, the kind of a mutual interest in success, then you're, you're off to the races there. I'll tell you what kickstart any evaluation of a new product for us. So if a client of ours that has been loyal to us asks about them blatantly, we're like, sure, we'll sit on the demo with you. And that's how we get knowledge uh, of products before people even become partners. That's part of our seen service. a little window. Yeah. Again, that's a unique just, opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Again, even on that end of things, just that's what we specialize in. It's just helping people evaluate things. Well, it definitely seems like a needed service in the space, guys. It's been a, a good conversation to, to learn about you and, and MJ Stack, and hope all, all of our listeners can uh, get their software needs and questions answered there. Um, where can folks find out more about you and MJ Stack? Yep, so mjstack.com is the website. Adam Banco is my full name. I will respond to you if you reach out to me on LinkedIn. Ryan Mayfield's on LinkedIn. Both of our emails are just our first names at mjstack.com. We've got live chat on the website. Uh, we're going to be at Lucky Leaf live here at the end of the week here with the booth. So very easily accessible. And I'm not sure if we said this on the entire call, but we're actually a free service. So we don't charge anything for our services. So maybe you should have said that earlier, but now you know. Now you've got no hesitation. Cherry on top right there. <laughs> yep. Awesome, guys. Thanks for the conversation. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the Apartment 113 podcast. For more information about the show, along with our services and courses, visit apt113.com. We offer cannabis software product management, cannabis education courses, and freelance writing. With over a decade of experience in the cannabis industry, Apartment 113 is here to help.